0: take 43 mark hey everyone welcome back to the take 43 podcast my name is drew williams and my name is aaron Colborn. aaron colborne how are you man it's been a while and what happened to Did- the first 42 takes
1: so okay i had to spend a lot of time blowing my nose Wiping my eyes. I've been crying like a little baby cuz I just finished The Last of Us Part 2. Oh wow, uh, the video game. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been out for a couple of weeks and I sat down and like binged through it. I mean, I've had a lot a lot of free time on my hands. So, yeah. <laughs> I sat down and like I binged through the whole thing and like uh like I wanted to bring it up. I mean, we you know, we're a, like movies and video podcasts, but I don't think I've ever played such like a cinematic video game. And I don't mean like just like visually, right? Like it's visually very cinematic. You know, it looks amazing. The 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 art direction is incredible. But this one actually has a very like cinematic story. You know, it flows more like more like a film narrative than a video game narrative. And it's really, really cool. Um and just you know, great characters, you know very tragic in a lot of ways, just really no spoilers for anything, but like just a very emotional game.
0: Yeah. It's nice to see they're bringing some of that cinematic quality into video games. And, you know, it's taken a while to get there simply because of the graphics and the renderings that they are dealing with. But now you have this mix of awesome gameplay with great graphics, and then they bring in that cinematic feeling of all that lighting that they push into the story mode now. And it truly is something that that is eye appealing. I mean, I had never heard of that video game franchise, and I went back and bought the first one. So I'm actually playing the first one now, which yeah, was, man. I think that's from like 2011 or 12, and they remastered it. it. Like, I think it was like seven years ago or something like that, yeah. Yeah, and they remastered it in 2014 for PS4. So I'm playing that now, but I have heard nothing but great things from the last of us part two. So I'm really excited to get my hands on that. it's, it is funny that we're chatting about video games, but there is such a cinematic quality to that game that it's, all, it's definitely worth mentioning for sure.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And
0: the, like the, uh, the acting is really rad too. I actually noticed when I was watching
1: the credits, uh, cause yeah, I watched all the credits. Okay. Uh, like I said, I have a lot of free time on my hands. <laughs> you watched video <laughs> but was, game like, One of the credits. voice actors was, a. uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> yeah, yes. So, but what I found out is at least one of the actors is like you know the acting's really good. Uh, but Patrick Fugit uh, plays one of the characters, and he's like oh, cool. uh, he was the kid from uh, almost almost famous. Like he's a, he's a great actor, and so just seeing that I was like uh, it's really really rad that like legit actors are are doing these, and it, and it comes across like they can really. Um, You know, they can really get across emotions that like, you know, old school video game actors
0: couldn't quite as much, you know. Absolutely. Naughty Dog killing it with Uncharted 4 and The Last of Us, man. Yeah. Just crushing it with those fun yeah, games. Dude. Never been a huge gamer, man. But like with all these games that are coming out and stuff, I've, I've been having a blast in quarantine just you know, shooting some zombies and and having fun with it.
1: Yeah, dude, it's a good time for sure. Uh, You know what's maybe a little less of a good time, according to a lot of people, is uh, post-production. Yeah. I mean, so I would like, (laughs) like, give me on a scale of one to 10, Drew. And like, I want you to be honest, like a scale of one to 10, like, where would you put, Post production in uh, in terms of uh, liking it.
0: (laughs) Okay, so ten being I like it the most, right? Um, Ten being you love it, man. want to want to do nothing but it. (laughs) That's all I think about it when it's a ten. So I'm gonna put it at a nice dream about post production. I'm gonna put it at a safe four. Okay, yeah, that's okay. That sounds about right (laughs) because I like it half the time, but then more than half the time, I always run into issues or I get sick of it. So I think 40% right. out of 100 is is solid, 4 out of 10.
1: That kind of makes sense. Usually too, because like when you first start editing something, it's kind of like... Uh Kind of like when you're painting something. Like at first you're like, Hell yeah, I'm painting. This is yep. fun. I'm having a good time with this. And then like it quickly gets old. Like about an yeah. hour in, you're like like the first time you have to like refill your tray right. and like deal with like cleaning off one of the rollers or something like that, you're like, Okay, yeah, this actually sucks. The and paint high and is you still... wearing
0: off. The paint high is wearing <laughs> yeah, off in the first right. twenty minutes. So it gets really
1: boring, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get you get bored of it and you're like, Okay, yeah, I don't I don't want to do this anymore and you're like, Oh shit, I still have like ninety percent of this to do.
0: <laughs> you're like, Oh, this this does doesn't dry on its own. Oh,
1: dang it. You know, there's a lot of reasons, I think, why people don't like post-production. I think a lot of them are actually very valid reasons. Right. Um, you know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons. I mean, one of the biggest ones, I think, is uh, that, I mean, working on set is so much fun. Absolutely. Right? Like, it's a, it's, it's a lot of work, but, you know, you have... You know, a lot of people there, it's, it's fun. It's dynamic. Sometimes you get like a real family atmosphere when, you know, like if you're making a short film, especially, you know, everybody's kind of like spending all this time together and you get kind of like this little family dynamic going on, you know, some fun teamwork and you're creating something in real time. You know, you shoot something and you you can all gather around the monitor and check it out. And yeah. it's a ton of fun. It's really satisfying. Whereas, you know, post-production, like you're alone in the dark, <laughs> <laughs> It's tedious, it's time consuming and something i was thinking about when 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 i was uh kind of writing up my notes for this um it's like a jigsaw puzzle that doesn't have a correct shape at the end you know right. yeah 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 <laughs> like like it's like if you bought a puzzle and uh it says like choose your own adventure like what does that even mean you know
0: (laughs) it's like uh it's like playing the last of us except there's no cinematic storytelling it's just you just kind of run through and shoot things right that's right yeah
1: not knowing if you're gonna end up anywhere yeah like you might you might you might you might might get halfway through and be like oh okay i went the wrong direction and there's actually nothing over here
0: (laughs) well you're you're exactly right because you spend time on set and you develop this almost community style family and you know they're you're there for an agenda but you very much have a goal and a plan and everyone's in it together. Right. Whereas when you're setting in, you know, a dark office uh, with just your computer light hitting you in the face and it's almost like you're an anonymous character, right? You're just you're just trying to get yourself. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) just 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 hacking the planet. Yeah, just hacking (laughs) the planet. Um, (laughs) Let me ask you this before you dive any farther, because yeah, uh, this is this is going really well. But what would you rate out of one out of ten your love for post-production? I would say about an eight. Actually.
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And I'll I'll go through some of the reasons why that is for me. And a lot of it just has to do with kind of, you know, your personality just the way your brain works. Uh, But I like I generally uh, I generally really enjoy editing. And I think that's because maybe I've been doing it long enough that I have when I'm in the middle, I have a sense of what the end can be. And I find it really satisfying when I'm able to make that happen or when I find something different inside of that. You know, yeah. uh, there's like the little moments when things work that you're just like, oh, yeah, that's fun. And I that's like extremely satisfying to me. And so the satisfaction of it, I think, is probably what drives that number the most, because a lot of the mechanics of it, it is not fun. It's so, it can be so tedious, like sorting through footage is the worst. Yeah. Sometimes when you're color color correcting and like you're trying to apply it across the board and like five of them are totally different for some reason, like that's a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know, so there's a, there's a lot of things that are really annoying about it. But the satisfaction levels, I think, kind of like take it up quite a few notches for me.
0: Yeah, well, that's like, uh, you know, that's when production comes in, and even pre-production and and planning better for your post-production process. Because think about if we had a script supervisor there, then you sorting through clips would not be a pain, right? Because you have those circle takes, and they know exactly what take number that is, and then it gets uh, filtered through the post-production system, and then it's it's the one you choose and. There's no thinking about it. Right. But not, you know, not all of our commercials and things have that. So,
1: yeah. And that's why that actually leads me to, like, the third point that I had is that a very common attitude, especially like if you're just the editor, say, you know, you're not not a one man band or even a two man band. And like, you know, somebody else shot this thing and you're just an editor for hire, uh, you know, we'll fix it in post is a pretty common attitude. (laughs) Yeah. That's right? your that's your favorite yeah, like,
0: favorite word I'm sure.
1: Yeah, there's literally been times where I've been sorting through footage and uh I heard, you know, somebody say um oh well I'm sure we can clean that up and post and like sorry Aaron. <laughs> like are you like are you kidding me, right? You're just like shoving it in my face now. So and like and I think that's actually that's a reason why some editors can be so salty. You know, they feel like they're cleaning up other people's messes sometimes. Yeah. And like, sure. That's not always the case, but like, it's, it's a pretty common attitude. I mean, enough that it's a joke, you know, but, yeah. a, a very common joke. Yeah. Right? I've
0: actually seen, I've actually seen t-shirts that say, don't worry, I'll fix it in post or he'll fix it in right. post or we'll fix it in post. Um, I think they sold those at NAB um, at the little uh, store area. Probably. But yeah,
1: like there's, I think there's plenty of legitimate reasons to not love post-production. Right. uh, I think is the point. I mean, there's a lot of things to like as well, if it's something that you've, you've chosen to do, there's probably a reason why you want to do it. I mean, in some cases it's a, it's, kind of a good entry point into doing video production because it's not something that necessarily requires a team. Like you because right. you can do it on your own. Like, and that's kind of how I started out. I didn't have a team that I was working with, uh, but I could really get it editing uh, on my own and, and see results from it and learn from it and learn a lot about production in the process.
0: Yeah. So let me ask you this. What is post-production to you then? What is post-production? It, there, there's a lot of answers to that, but I think
1: uh, for, for me, the main thing is you know, you're, you're fundamentally retelling the story, right? You're not painting by numbers. Again, it's not that puzzle, you know, um, that, that has a definite outcome. It's like, you know, it's a puzzle that, you know, instead of having a picture on the front, it says, I don't know, dinosaurs, maybe right (laughs) (laughs) possible uh so it's 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 retelling the story you know um something i've heard before is that and and this this applies a little bit you know there's two different kinds you know there's there's doing kind of commercial video production there's also filmmaking and a lot of most of this applies to both things they all have their nuances for sure yeah but you know you you're essentially retelling the story you're trying to tell whether it's a product story or a you know or a narrative story three times You're, you're shaping the story uh when it's being written uh, shaping it when it's being directed and shot. And then the final, uh, I mean, you could say the final rewrite of the story happens in editing because it's, it's a fundamental retelling of it. Um, because things you kind of planned on for the shoot may not look exactly the way that was in your head. And there's a new way to kind of show that in the edit. Right. Um, and you know, all the, and all the different things that aren't necessarily on top of your mind when you're shooting, um, like once color correction is done and kind of like the type of color correction, whether it's like low contrast or high contrast, dark or lighter, I and mean, there's so much you can do. It uh, The kind of music you add, any sound effects you add, just what you show, like when someone's talking, you know, versus, you know, are you showing them? Are you showing the item you're talking about? Just so many things completely change, like the vibe and the feel of the story. Right. And so it, it could be a, a very different thing than what you set out uh, to do at the beginning.
0: Yeah, well, I think too, like you're saying you know, kind of fix these things and, and maybe it's not thought about in production, but I will tell you a good DP knows exactly what color that thing's going to look like when it's done. Are they should. For sure they'll have an idea, right? For and they, sure. they know what, if they're shooting it in raw or they're shooting it in log or whatever camera they're using, like they, they do have an idea of that, but once it and if you have a good team and everything gets executed correctly if you have a good team doing that and then once you move it into post production you're technically just polishing right you're you're building the right. story and then you're polishing what was what was already made now if it didn't go as planned what you're saying and it was shot maybe in the wrong format or that's just really bad right there like you've yeah, you've almost not, already not good yeah but if if it maybe wasn't shot in a log format and it should have been then You know, there are some there are some steps that you're going to have to take that are extra for sure. Sometimes there's
1: other reasons why color
0: changes. Like here's an example is uh, Kill Bill, Volume 1.
1: They had this big sequence at the end. I actually think you talked about this on uh, one of the other podcasts, House of Blue Leaves. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this big battle. And like she's got these, uh, you know, sores and she's just cutting people up. Well, they the ratings board wanted to give it, I think, an NC-17 because of all the violence. And so they actually changed it, got to this point in the edit where she like plucks out somebody's eyes and it switches to black and white right then. Um, so you can't see the color of the blood. But uh, my guess is that, I mean, and it builds up to that point. So you can see in the edit, the edit changed because they're building up to that eye plucking moment to change it to black and white, where that probably wouldn't have been the case if it just played out like normal. So there's this external factors that can shape the way you edit. And so it came to this this narrative peak at this point when it otherwise wouldn't have.
0: Well, and that's, that's Quentin Tarantino doing his thing too and making sure right. he's breaking some rules and telling the most creative story visually that he can.
1: For sure. That That's Quentin all the way. So, but back to talking about what post-production is, is a, a metaphor I like to use a lot is, is like a clay sculpture. And Granted, I don't know how to like, I don't even know the steps really for uh, sculpting <laughs> in clay. Like that's not not a thing I've done. I'm not like, <laughs> I'm not like in ghost where I'm on like the, the wheel, you know, the, uh, the pot, the pottery wheel, <laughs> 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 but like, but, but I think, I think some of the same things uh, apply, you know, like you have your big lump of clay there and like, that's your footage. And so you're like, there's something there, but you still have to kind of find, find out what it is inside of there. And you may have what you want to end up with in your head a sketch of it or whatever some sort of instructions but along the way like you still have to make those grooves you still have to make it look like the shape that you want it to be right. um so I'll, so that, that that's a metaphor I lot. So I'll probably go back to that a few times um it also also can be kind of like blueprints for a, a building and i think one of the reasons that editing works for me there's actually a long time where i was uh, before i went to film school i was actually thinking about being an architect instead oh cool and i think because it's a similar sort of combination of, of structure and feeling. Yeah. Right. So like you can't build a building with just feelings, right? Like yeah. you're like, I feel like this will hold up well here, <laughs> you know, but you, but you also need for like cool buildings have a lot of like art in them as well, right. but they also have to have a solid structure. And I think editing's the same way. Like you can't edit a film with just blueprints. You also need feelings. Yeah. And, and so I think it's, I think it's, uh, they're, they're very similar things that satisfy the same thing in me. Um, you know, a, Combination of of art and structure is what what works really well for me, maybe
0: a good shot being the material of the building. um, And it takes a lot of good shots to construct a beautiful building, right? So it takes a lot of good shots to do that. But it also takes a different type of knowledge to put that together um, for an right. architect, there's a difference between drawing the architect and then the guy that goes and builds it. A lot of people don't realize that, totally. <laughs> that those are two different totally. people. One well, like, uh, and,
1: and, you know, there's also like, you need your fundamental shots, right? Like, so you have, you have the, the, the steel beams and stuff like that, that make up the, the skeleton of the building. Those are like your master shots, right? Like yeah. you need your master shots, you know, sure. like, cause if everything else fails, the master shots are still there. Yep. You'll still have that to work with. Right. So, so I think they, I think they have a lot of things in common.
0: So Aaron, you're the master of post-production. You do this for a living full-time. You consider yourself a yeah. director and a post-production artist. You yeah. know this very, very well. And that is why I'm coming to you and I want you to spill all your knowledge. Where the hell do you start with this thing?
1: Man, that's the big question, right? Like that's it's so daunting when like especially if you're if you're not involved in the production itself and somebody, you know, you're hired on and somebody just comes to you and they gives you a hard drive with, you know, uh, you know, four terabytes of footage and hopefully a script and it's, you know, what do you, what do you do? How do you start? And it's, you know, it's definitely something that, um, isn't obvious at the beginning. Cause I know a lot of times when I first start editing, again, cause like sometimes the beginning of it is the most fun. Like you're seeing footage for the first time and you want to drop shots in there and start coloring them up. But honestly, I found the best way to consolidate your time, um, and, and have the best chance of success at the end is by having a process, yeah. right? Like I have my own process and like, you don't have to follow my process. I'll be talking about that a lot because that's what I know. Um, but you know, you, everybody should have their own process. You just need a process, something you can follow. And sure, you'll deviate from that every now and again. But like like knowing that this is kind of the order in which you do things, um, knowing what the next step is, helps you do your current step better, if that makes sense. So
0: you're gonna talk about like a first process step all the way to the end, right?
1: Yep. That's what I'm going to do. And I actually, cool. you know, and it was actually kind of cool for me to sit down because like, I know my process and I kind of, at this point I've done it enough that I just kind of go through and do it, but to, to actually sit down and I actually learned a couple things about my process while I was doing it, um, that I kind of didn't realize that I did. Um, and so it's actually pretty cool for me to sit down and kind of go through it, um, to, to let you guys know about it. And it, it's, it's worked out pretty well for me over the years that, and I realized that the longer I've done it, like the, it, it it stopped changing so much, which makes me feel like I've kind of like honed in on what at least works best for me. Yeah. Um, again, everybody will have their own way, but just having something, a way that you do things will will give you really a much better chance of success. So first thing you got to do, though, is organize. Like uh, editing is have organization. If you don't know where things are, if you don't know what you have, you're not going to be able to get the best uh, the best edit out of it. You know, if you're missing shots or, or if you're spending, you know, an hour looking through stuff for one particular shot. Whereas if you had like at the beginning, organized all your footage, you would know right where it is. You save yourself a lot of time. So organize, you know, sort through all your footage, you know, use your bins or your, whatever, whatever editing program you use. I, I use premiere mostly uh, a little bit of DaVinci resolve lately. Um, but you know, all, all of them have different bins where you can organize your footage you know, group them by, you know, interview and who's in the interview, uh, by B-roll by location, you know, what, whatever it is, you know, spend some time getting to know your footage. And I know for me in a lot of cases, um, like I'll get my footage and there's still a, uh, still a writer that that's working on the script. And so I'll try to use some of that time to, to get to know my footage. So I know what's there again, when you're not involved in the shoot, like you have a general idea what's there, but you don't know specifically. And if there's some time, where you can sit down with like the director or DP so they can walk you through some stuff that can be very, very helpful too. But just generally like organize and get to know your footage, right? You're lucky for the most part, like you, you tend to edit your own stuff and so you know what you shot, but have you ever had a time where just like somebody just gave you some footage and they're like, Oh yeah. Get at it.
0: Yeah. Especially early on before I kind of honed in on my expertise. um, I was doing a lot of editing and I would have, I've had drive handoffs, you know, and I would edit for some people, I did, uh, basically they went to, this this nonprofit organization went to Africa, shot like a week's worth of footage, had no agenda, just shot a bunch of stuff, interviews, and there was just a lot of B-roll of kids playing and all kinds of different footage, and I had to go in and kind of shape a story out of this, and you talk about time-consuming and confusing. Luckily, the only reason I did it, though, is they were paying by the hour, so if they pay by the hour and they oh, say they're gonna, okay, that's all right. Yeah, so, yeah. So that's <laughs> different. Whereas you're like, okay, set rate for this. Like, you don't really ever know how right, long it's right. actually going to take you. So since they paid by the hour, I was I was you know super interested in doing that for them. Um, I've also right. you know obviously edited things that I've shot. That that's what happens a lot of times. And the organization is already in my head. I know what time I shot right. what and what day and what card it was on and what whether it was a right, drone or a right. camera or whatever. I've had other people shoot things for me. And then I edited the stuff later, but I was at a marketing firm and it's the same one that you still work for. So I actually had to implement your process because my job was to make a rough cut and then you were just going to put the final tweaks on it. So in order for us to work together and it, for it to be cohesive I had to follow your guidelines and your folder structure right. so when you received the files everything was organized for you.
1: Right I kind of knew and and yeah that's another thing for sure like uh, taking over projects from somebody um l- yeah luckily we worked together so you were able to kind of start it in the way that I would have started right. it. But like sometimes you get projects from people and you're like, I don't know what they've been doing here. Right. <laughs> it's, you know, like where is everything? Like, you know, nothing's organized. There's just one bin that has everything in it. And you're like, what is even going on? It's the worst. But the first thing you're talking about where with the, the, the people that shot a bunch of stuff, and they just gave it to you to shape a story. Um, that's the next thing I want to talk about, which is have a script. Right. and, obviously usually you're not the one writing the script. I mean, okay, it depends if you shot it and if you're, you're kind of one man banding it. Yeah. Maybe you're writing the script, but if you're working with a team, it's very likely that somebody else is writing the script and sometimes people just won't give you a script. And so a lot of this, I know it seems like a, like kind of a no shit sort of situation, but there's a lot of times where people do not put a lot of thought into a script for it. You know, they just want to give it to somebody and say, make us something. And, and Honestly, if you're working with a team, that shouldn't be the case. And sometimes you need to hound people for it, uh, especially, you know, even early on in, in pre-production, getting a basic script, you know, an AV script, and then, you know, after production, getting a post-production script that's a little more uh, detailed, uh, things like clip numbers, time codes, you know, and sometimes just even the text of the soundbite, you know, if you get rid of the guesswork early on, that's going to save you a lot of time, it's going to save them a lot of time and save them money also. And so having a script with that, with that information, really really helpful you know if 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 you have a script that has like just the the text of the soundbite but no time code and no clip number that's not really very helpful so the more the more information you can get the the writer to give to you the better off you're going to be again if you're writing it yourself you know then it's still a good idea to make yourself a script instead of just trying to keep it all up here because honestly with editing there's just too much to keep all up in your head yeah for sure (laughs) yeah
0: i mean that's that is le- legit. The script's job, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. So you don't have to remember it. <laughs> right. And then if you're really
1: lucky, you get the editing script, right? The postscript. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The postscript. I mean, I uh, when I first started at the job I'm currently at, I had the same sort of situation where they kind of gave me a bunch of footage and the company hadn't really done video before this. The video was like a brand new department. And so a lot of the writers weren't we d- they didn't really know kind of how to write for video. And so like I just kind of assumed I'd come from news where you always have a script, you know, like you don't edit anything before you have a script. Right. So I got to this place and yeah, they just gave me a bunch of footage. They said like make something. And so I had to like kind of put the brakes on and be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like I don't know this story. Like you guys went and shot it. You did the interviews. Like I don't know what the story is. Like you need to tell me what the story is. I'm an editor. Right. You know, and like I'm happy to help with that in any way I can. But I need instruction from you, who knows the story, yeah, to, to tell that, you what that is. That
0: should have all been done in pre-production. You know, the goal of the story. Mm-hmm. You should have been at the pre-production meeting, even though you are the last step in the mm-hmm. process. There's so many yep. things that have to be done prior to going and shooting and having fun on set that day. Uh, that include right, you, right. right? Exactly. And and and
1: you know, it's nice they they listened to me and. Um, I was able to help them make a process where I don't even need to be at many of the pre-production meetings anymore. I go to some of them still, um, but they, now the writers kind of know what they need to be talking about, what they need to be paying attention to, um, to get the best result at the end of it. Anyway, so you got your footage organized. You have a script. You're like, I'm ready to go. Where are you going to start? First thing, your assembly edit, which is just, and we'll, we'll approach this like you're just doing like one video, right? right. There's a lot of times you're doing multiple videos, but let's just say this is one video. Uh, your assembly edit which is just, it's just the raw stuff you need. It's your sound bites um, just kind of like slammed up against each other. Um, First thing though, like you, you know, you need to create your sequence because you're going to be editing in a sequence. Um, I know there's been plenty of times where like when I first started off where I was like, okay, I need to create a sequence and it gives me all these options. Like, you know, what settings do I use? The easiest way to do that is um, I know at least with premiere and I'm pretty sure all editing programs do this too. You can base your sequence off of a clip of video yeah. You know. So you take. You know. Your 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 stuff was probably all shot in you know one format. Hopefully. Hopefully with um, or one at camera. Least, or at least mostly one format. So if it's shot, you know, in a couple of different formats, use the one that's that makes up the majority of it. Right. You'll right. have the fewest issues with with frame rate and all that kind of stuff. So so base your timeline, base your sequence off your most common format of video clip. Like that'll just that leaves
0: the smallest room for error. Absolutely. Um, Things will probably work pretty well. For an example of someone who's maybe a DP or the shooter and they're editing their own stuff, uh, if you shoot two establishing shots with your drone, but you shot everything else all day with your camera, your ground-level camera, your Sony, your Canon, your RED, your Ari use the re red sony canon footage then that drone footage can just drop in on the timeline that's not a problem
1: right shooting yourself in the foot if you base it all off just your drone footage when you're only using two shots of it or whatever yeah (laughs) exactly
0: Dude, you know what's a pain sometimes? Mm, You tell. Hauling huge lights onto set. Oh yeah, that's like the worst. Yeah, I've tried more compact lights, but they just don't cut it when it comes to rendering true color. Plus they're never bright enough. Mm -hmm, Never. But one day a buddy of mine from the snowboard industry asked me to check out these new lights called Lytra, which promised to solve exactly that problem. They're compact yet powerful and with professional grade color rendering. Nice. Nice. Now Lytra is pretty much all I ever bring to set. Compact, powerful, bi-color, RGB, bluetooth controlled rugged waterproof you name it Lytra's it that's a whole bunch of stuff that sounds great so you should visit our Lytra link in the description below and receive 15 percent off your next order from Lytra.com. I promise you these lights will completely change your approach to photo and video lighting all right man I'm gonna hold you to it
1: so what you're what you're really thinking about here um, is is this story you know like I know there's this excitement you want to jump into like the the cool B roll you have, you know, like sound effects, the color, just, you know, it, ignore all that stuff for now. Think about your story, mm-hmm. right? So, like, what is the essential information you need there? And it even helps, like, even if you're following your script and you're like, okay, sometimes you don't realize until you get it in the edit, like, these two sound bites next to each other kind of repeat the same information. And then, you know, either you can make that decision or if you're working with a writer, you can go to them and say, like, hey, I think we should maybe axe this. And it's good because it lets you just focus on the story and getting that right. And honestly, the rest of it will go much quicker. You know, because like if you if you're not thinking about that, you just start throwing B roll, you get to the end, and the client's like, uh, those two sound bites say the exact same thing. And you're like, Oh, I didn't even, you know, think about that. Right. <laughs> you know, you get rid of the, the more the more problems you can get out of the way with early, the better off you'll be,
0: just kind of in general. That's good info, man. That's great info. Uh, the, the next thing, and this is one of those things that
1: I realized that, um, I don't think I realized I did until I started writing down the process and was basically a pacing pass, Mm. um, which is, I I've, I've never seen it in, um, in anything, any kind of editing instructional thing, but I just realized it's something that I do a lot. And I'm not sure if this is very common, but like, this is where I start to incorporate music. And I think a lot of it's because almost everything I do has music and it, it cause it kind of helps guide the pacing for me. And so even if, you know, even if it's not like the music you're going to use in the end, it, it can still be really helpful to just kind of understand how you want the story to be paced. Right. It helps you find out if, if something needs to breathe in a certain part is, you know, is this sound bite too long? You know, what's most interesting about it. Don't be roll yet, but be thinking about it, you know, think about what you might want there, try and have some restraint and don't touch your B roll yet. Um, right. A lot of times what I will do, though, is actually put in text placeholders to say like what I want to have here, you know, like, you know, a uh, shot of oranges or, you know, a uh, car tire or
0: whatever, you know, weirdest video. Wait, episodes, I was going to say, what are you what have you shot recently <laughs> with car tires and oranges? Is this some sort of new foaming, <laughs> cleaning tire cleaner from from AAA or something nailed it. Yep, that's uh, wait, it. <laughs> you signed an NDA for that. You weren't supposed to talk about it yet, <laughs> but you know, so like, it's just, it's a really good way of,
1: of kind of starting to visualize in a shorthand what your video is going to be. Like, even if you know, like I have shots of oranges, just keep your hands off of it, you know, sure. um, and, and, and listen to it. This is all about listening. Um yeah. and, and and visualizing in your head what you what you want to be there uh, eventually.
0: Well to back to backtrack, you're you're able to do this now because you have your assembly edit done, right? So you have the you have exactly. the verbiage. So I know you're right now you're referencing commercial video because that's what you do a lot of. Right. So let's just use an example of one of our recent shoots like Diamondback. We did it on their new model right. of bike um that they were releasing. We shot it in Sedona. Right now, so you have the assembly edit done, so you have all of the interview there, so it tells the story, right? Right. Now you can pull in the music, and then that's when you're on your pacing pass, and you're only able to do the pacing pass now because you have the assembly edit there. Right, so that's a really good example of the Diamondback stuff.
1: Uh, because there, we were talking to these three different writers and as I was doing it and sometimes, you know, some of the best stuff that happens in editing is happy accidents. Sure. So, I mean, it sounds like Bob Ross there, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's for real. So like we're going through these three different interviews and like one interview ends and there's this cool part in the music where I'm like, it's like, bum bum bom and like, this would make a great like intro montage for the next guy. And so that's how I ended up actually structuring the videos is there's like these cool montages in between of them doing their cool stuff. I used, ended up using three different songs for each of the writers and uh, the brand was super happy with the video. Everybody thought it was really cool. And so, but I wouldn't have gotten there if I had like edited it all together and then just threw a music track down at the end. Um, So it really helped me figure out my pacing. Very cool. Okay. Now, you get to get to what, what you really want to do, which is the B roll. Cause sure. like, honestly the B roll is the coolest stuff you shoot, you know, interviews are fine, but they're not really fun to look at. Like you don't have any cool music hits when you're doing interviews, but your B roll, especially something like Diamondback, where We have these, you know, dudes that are just, you know, soaring through the air yeah. and like, you know, flying down trails. Well, we,
0: I biked, I think we biked, which isn't very much, but we biked seven miles on a trail, but I had a drone, like a big phantom drone which isn't that big, but compared to a Mavic. But um, so I had a bag for that. I had multiple cameras. Uh, Pete had the Ursas. You know, those are like cinder blocks. We had a lot of gear and we had no cars or or, or plugins. We just had batteries. So uh, super fun shoot because we were able to go and collect all of this B-roll. So in my mind, I know we've overshot because you know, you, you go down seven miles of trail, there's only so many features and there's three different writers and they've right. all got to look different. So we overshot the B roll. So you'd have plenty to work with at this point. So now you can go into that Yeah. now that your pacing's done. Now you can start putting in the fun stuff. Right. Oh, totally. Yeah. And this,
1: and this is really where it's fun. I mean, that's when you get the, you know, when you, when you have, and this is part of the reason, again, why I love editing so much, when you get those moments where you're like the right shot with the right music at the right time, like like that, that's that's movie magic for me. Yeah. Like that's the type of stuff when you can hit that, especially in a commercial video, the type of feeling that you get watching a movie, you know, something that you think is really entertaining. And if it feels that way to you, it's probably going to feel that way to a lot of other people also.
0: Yeah, because we've, we've seen the worst of the worst and the best of the best. So we know what okay. really works. We know what really doesn't. And you're absolutely right. That's the most satisfying part of the job, whether it's getting the shot or lining it up in a, in a mm-hmm. sequence correctly. I mean, that's why. We do what we do, right?
1: That's when you really start to see see it all take shape. That's when you start yeah. to see what your end product's going to be. It's like, again, like with a building or with a sculpture. This is instead of being just, you know, just steel beams or just a of clay. This is where you start to see the facade go up and you're like, oh, it's this cool, you know, mirrored building or, you know, or you're you know, sculpting a, a new David and you're like, this is where the penis goes. And it's awesome. Whoa, <laughs> why was that the example?
0: <laughs> there are so
1: many Whoa, examples. Bam, bam. <laughs> but you left the arms off at anyway. Okay. Uh, I it. Yeah. Uh, so that's where you start to see kind of like the ornamentation where it, that's where it really starts to get fun, but there's still more you can do. This is where, you know, reevaluate, reevaluate your music here you know, maybe, you know, the music you used to initially build it, like by the time you get to this point and you sat with it a little longer, maybe you don't like it anymore and that's okay. And, um, you know, you can pick something else and a lot of times your, your structure will still hold, or you'll pick music kind of based off the structure you, you ended up with, but it's, a, it's a good time to reevaluate it here. Also a good time. What I do when I'm B rolling is think about what your output's going to be like, what, what size are you putting out a 1080p master? Are you putting out a 4k master? And, so now's, now's a good time to think about that because um, if, you're, if you shot it in 4K, this is a, as an example, if you shot it in 4K, but you're going to output at 1080p, um, you want to change your sequence to be what your output size is. So if you have a 4K clip that you maybe already used once and you want to use a similar part of the clip, uh, but you want to punch in on it, you know, if you want to reframe, like now now is a good time to start reframing that stuff. And it'll give you a lot more options with your B-roll. I mean, there's been like with, the, with Diamondback again, I used... Uh, you said you overshot it. I used almost everything. And there's actually a couple of things I wanted to use more than once, maybe because talk, it's a cool shot, but also talking about something specific that's pointed out later. Right. Um, so I might use like the wider shot for just when I wanted to show it. But then, you know, I mean, if you're shooting in 4K and exporting at 1080p, like you can get a lot more mileage off that and really kind of punch in on it before we start to lose any resolution. And sometimes you can even go past that a little bit, you know, 110% when you're shooting at 4K, uh, you can still get away with that a lot of times.
0: Yeah, Absolutely. Well, it's good that you had options, too, because there's obviously the exact opposite of that. And then you have a much bigger problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's a, Yeah. That's way worse. And then you have to, like, use the same shot 10 times. <laughs> well, yeah. And then at that point, it's very noticeable whether it's across three videos or not. Right. I mean, that's as an yeah. editor, that is something that becomes an issue that you have to figure out whether you're going to shoot more yeah. or. Yeah, it's a.
1: It's, uh... When you say noticeable, that's interesting, too, because another thing that I heard about in, in describing video is or in describing editing is that a good edit appears to be invisible. Right. Like you don't see it. If you don't see the editing, if people watch a movie and they honestly don't think about the editor, don't think about the editing, you've done a good job. Yeah. Um, when people start to notice the editing that usually I mean, some yeah, there's flashy editing for sure. But if it's flashy and fun enough, they're probably still not thinking about the editing. They're just having fun Um, because usually mistakes are what jump out when it comes to editing.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree with that. It's it's one of those things, too. As as an editor, we we overanalyze things, right? We look at things 100 times and something could feel like a really Mm -hmm. harsh cut or something like that. Not a jump cut, but just it could seem harsh in our eyes because we've watched it 100 times. But then you show it to someone and they have a fully different critique that's positive about it and why.
1: Yeah. Mistakes in editing. Tend to be very, very obvious when something goes on just a little bit too long. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing for audiences, you know, don't they don't necessarily know how to edit. They don't necessarily know how to make a movie, but they sure know when something isn't right. And it's kind of amazing that people can pick it up. Like if a shot goes a second too long, they may not know that that's what happened but they know that something felt off to them. Yeah, you're um, like, "Oh, that so, that was
0: weird. A lot of lingering there." You know, you you see it in a lot of yeah. like Breaking Bad, a lot of Ozark because you have these hour and 5 to 10 minute episodes and you have 8 to mm-hmm. 10 of them per season, so they're like short films, but they can linger really really long. And I know that's a mood and I know there's a point to that in the story. Yeah. There's a, there's
1: a good linger and a bad linger. Yeah. For
0: sure. Yeah. But th- those are examples of good lingers where you're like, "Man, that held on quite you know, a while. And then there's times where like that was really weird. Yeah. You could use you could have used those extra three seconds to help motivate the story more. Instead I had to look at a long drawn out shot or something.
1: Again, totally you're totally rewriting the story as you're as you're editing. You know, all those things give different different emotions, different feelings. Well so we
0: have we have the B roll down now. Let's now that now that the B roll's down, we have our pacing pass done, the assembly's there. So at this point we have a pretty decent story. But nine times yeah. out of ten, it's probably more than you actually need, right? For sure. Like it, and
1: so this is a good place to do like some housekeeping. Uh, one thing I do uh, is, if you're doing something that has motion graphics in it, you know, if it's lower thirds stuff like that, or if it's full screen motion graphics, it's taking place the edit. Put some placeholder text in there. If you're not doing the motion graphics, if you're doing the motion graphics, you know, it's that's kind of a different process. But if you're not you know, have some placeholders in there. So you understand how those will at least work in the edit, how they will sit. Um, as, as well as if you are doing lower thirds, you know, reframing your shots. So, you know, those lower thirds will, will fit. Okay. Um, but then also just go back to the beginning of this point and start watching through it, start tightening things up, you know, just be this is the point where you can start to be a viewer more than the editor. Sit back and just go, you know, honestly, take a little bit of a break from it too. You know, go do something else for a little while. Get your brain out of it. Because when you're so deep in it, sometimes you can't, you know, it's seeing, it's seeing the forest for the trees. For sure. You need to get out of it. You need to get a fresh perspective on it. And also not a bad idea to have somebody else watch it. Not even a video person necessarily. Sometimes I'll have my wife uh, watch stuff. And um, and she'll she'll say something That I didn't even think about. I'm like, oh, that's a really, really good point. My man, Krim, my man. (laughs) Uh, Taking criticism is is good. You know, uh, you don't always use it, but it's good to hear it. And uh, sometimes they may be, they may be right. So yes, go back to the beginning and just start watching it. And if something weird pops out stop for a minute and go like okay why does that feel weird is it again is it too much of a pause or is it some yeah. you know a boing sound effect when you know somebody's falling off of a building or whatever you know yeah
0: yeah no totally i've I've had brooke do that as well where she'll come in and she's gotten used to it now so she'll come in and intentionally pick it apart but right because she knows she can but she'll be like oh that's off and it's like you know, that's why I told you it was a rough edit, you know, like. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But um, no, I think those are great examples. Just having a different eyes on it is extremely important, especially when you've looked at it for a it long is. time. It is. Yeah. And like, so, you know, do it a few
1: times, go back and just watch it from the beginning. And especially if you've you know watched it and then hit a spot that you ended up having to do an hour's worth of work on or something like that. After you're done with that, go back and watch it from the beginning again. Obviously, this will change depending on the length of it. Are you editing, you know, a two-hour-long movie, or are you editing, you know, a one-minute-long video? Yeah. But get back to a point where where you can where you can have some context for what you just fixed and and see it through and and get a feeling for how it flows. Um, do it a few times. You know, the t- the tightening pass is really helpful. Also, a lot of times, uh, again, more sound bites will jump out there. where You're like, oh, I actually, don't think I need that. Or an um that earlier, like I can get away with keeping that um. That this time you're like, yeah, no, that, um,
0: is sticking out like a sore, the, um, and (laughs) There you go. (laughs) Love it. Um, so like, I, um, I definitely know what you mean. You're like, uh, well, it's, it's not important now, but then as you start tightening things up and it starts to get, you know, pretty polished uh you're like you want to take out that "Uh, it starts to uh, bother uh, you uh, yeah absolutely yeah
1: you're like yeah starting to drive you crazy whereas before you're like oh i've already taken out 20 like i can get away with with without getting rid of this one yep and uh and then you get to this point you're like okay the rest of it's pretty rad and then you you hit that um and you're like oh this is this is the worst
0: so now that everything's tightened up you have a lot of good b-roll your pacing's good you have the assembly edit done because the story's there what are the next steps obviously maybe some audio or color or something
1: yeah. Yeah. So next is like the finishing work. I, I would consider at this point you should have very close to a, I mean, you, you picture lock at this point, right? Yep. So like when you're doing movies, you get to a point where the edit's done, you call that picture lock. And that's when you're not going to change the edit anymore. Obviously things don't always work out that way, but that's the hope that you're to that point where you can start working on finishing work and not have to change the the structure and the base level of, of the edit anymore. And that's why earlier I said, you know, maybe don't start on coloring or doing any audio yet because you don't know at that point, whether or not it's even going to be in the edit. You know, you may not use this shot of B roll that you were sure you're going to use at the beginning. So if you save this stuff for last, you're going to save a lot of time. So the the next thing I do after I have that picture lock is, is coloring and, and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll say this right up front. I am not a professional colorist. I've, I've done a lot of coloring, but take everything I say with a grain of salt because if you work with a professional colorist, um, they may disagree with something I have to say. I don't know. Right. But co- color adds so much and it it really helps decide the vibe of it. Again, you know, things might change. You might have shot something just dis- very normal lighting, you know, uh, planning on it being very kind of grounded looking. And then you get in the edit and like, you've turned it into like this cool sequence with faster music. And you just want to give everything like this red tinge or something like that. You know what I mean? There's so much you can do in coloring. You know, is it a natural look? Is it stylish? Did you want low contrast? You want high contrast? The way you apply color also can be time saving or time wasting. Sometimes when you start, you're like, this is what I want this sequence to look like. And you color up one shot and you're like, that looks good. And then you go to the next one, you color that shot, you go to the next one and you color that shot and you get maybe four or five or 10 down the line. And then you go back and look at the first one you colored and you have gradually kind of gotten off base, yep. right? Like things have start to turn more green and you don't realize until you've gone back and looked. So it's, it's good when you're coloring to kind of like keep on going back to your, your reference shot, looking at them one right next to each other. And uh, instead of kind of like, you know, it's nice to think that you can just take, uh, take your effect and just apply it across the board, but it doesn't necessarily always work. And even, you know, sometimes just slight changes in the exposure, you know, like stuff that's a little bit darker, the colors can come out a little bit more vivid. Right. Sure. Whereas when it's brighter, they can be a little more muted at times. And so you need to do things to, to, uh, to adjust for that.
0: Yeah. I think it's smart going back and looking at each individual clip. However, I like if you have shot something within the hour and you have your window, if say that's the interior and you haven't changed your lighting, nothing outside has changed too much and it's all fairly similar. You can sometimes get away with that copy and paste attribute. Um, oh, yeah, but well, for sure. Yeah. For sure. You there's can... a lot of times where you maybe shot B roll three hours later and it's a whole different lighting scenario and you'll definitely right. see a difference. So it is important to go back and check that reference clip for sure for sure and like and and
1: yeah i don't want to pretend like i just you know do one shot at a time yes like if i can save some time by applying it across the board i will but you should you know if they're close enough you can usually you get away with that and then just tweak those settings rather than starting from scratch all over again like right. you, you want to save as much time as you can as well and if and if they're very close by all means do well, that and a good
0: example of that is just like an interview right you shoot a there's a two-minute interview going on uh Underneath all of the B-roll that's being played, it cuts back to the person talking. There's a good chance that you can copy and paste against that whole interview, and everything's going to look pretty similar.
1: Yeah, and and, and it, like I said, it, a lot of times it'll just come down to tweaking rather than starting over from from scratch. Yeah. So th- that's about all I'll say about color. Again, I don't want to get into like the theory of color. There's, I mean, that's a whole that's a, that's its own subject. I mean, that's why a colorist is its own job um, when you get it to high enough levels. Um, but just the the method for doing it, make sure you kind of have your reference clip and you're going back and making sure it all looks the same. It's just so easy to just gradually get off base. And then you find you've wasted an hour <laughs> yeah. and done something, you know, done does completely wrong. Similarly. So the next finishing thing, and this is usually pretty much my last step um, in, in the actual putting together of the edit is audio. I mean, you know, usually, and again, another disclaimer, not an audio guy, right? I've done a lot of audio. I found a lot of good tricks and stuff like that, but I'm, I'm not like a, professional audio person that that's like my job. So your mileage will vary uh, out of what I say. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but a lot of times, you know, audio pretty much always audio needs work. Um, you know, there's whether there's some background noise or the microphone you use sounds a little more, a little more tinny and you want it to have a little more, like a little more beefiness to it, you know, like just a little bit of adjusting, go a long way. So, and there's, there's things again to save time because audio tends to be the, most volume—that's not a pun. Most volume of stuff. Like you'll have hundreds. You know, sometimes you'll have twenty tracks, hundreds of different clips with like little sound effects. It just—it kind of depends on how big the edit is. Right. So there's ways you can organize that on your timeline to to give yourself a better chance of success. You know, uh, split the tracks out. So you know you can have a, a a track with your voiceover or with dialogue. Then a separate track. You know, and if it's dialogue, I like can interview. You know, if you have multiple interviews, have them on different tracks. A track for sound effects, a track for music. And so a lot of what I do is interview based. And sometimes you have multiple people, sometimes usually uh, shot at different locations. So they right. might, the rooms might have slightly different sounds. So uh, when you want to clean those up, you kind of need to do them individually, but with knowledge of what the other one sounds like as well. Yep. And so the, the the way, again, this is the way I do it. This is by no means like the only way to do it um I'll have each interview on a separate track and I'll export out that track making sure there's some some uh, dead space in there where it's just room tone um so you have that cuz you need that for noise reduction later export them out separately and I use um I use audition to to edit my audio up as well so I'll export out those those interviews bring it into audition and make a multi-track session so each interview is separate but I can put it in a multi-track and listen to what they sound like side by side there's a lot that goes into cleaning up your audio. Um, but just generally things like compression, making sure kind of like the lower points and higher points are at a similar level. So you don't have these, you know, sharp, nasty, you know, peaks in the, uh, in the dialogue um, uh, EQing again. So if it sounds a little tinny and you want to bring down like the the mid range levels a little bit, so it sounds a little, a little, a little stronger and a little beefier, or you'll bring up your bass a little bit, or if it's just way too tinny, you want to bring down your, your, your highs a little bit, you know, do that here. And then, you know, one of the most important things: noise reduction. Yeah. Uh, any no, like any like background hiss, like you know, like it's it it, it can take something from sounding like a, a super amateur video to being professional. If there's just if you don't hear, because a lot of times you know when your sound bite starts, a lot of like crappier videos will hear it like like the hiss like just jump in there real quick. Right. And and it's really noticeable. Again, it's one of those mistakes that people will notice that's a mistake. Well,
0: and even as like a camera operator doing my own audio, if I didn't have an audio guy on set. Um, I've noticed, you know, things that you don't actually notice while on set, you'll notice in the editing room. And then when you have headphones on, so I, I'll wear headphones, especially if I'm doing my own audio, I'll put a laugh pack on for an interview, but then the AC will be going, but it's quiet when we're there. And it seems normal because I can hear it through my headphones and everything seems pretty quiet, right? Or I can't get the AC off. And I know that's going to be an issue later. I've actually, there's been, I've shot in office buildings where they couldn't adjust their own AC and it was just on the whole time. And then I had to yeah. run a you know noise reduction on it. And then I also did the EQ. I can't tell you how important it is, whether you have noise or not. Uh, run the noise reduction if you do. But how important an EQ yeah. is. Adding an EQ makes your video sound night and day. And you can even build EQ presets, like for a male voice or a yeah. female voice. Obviously, a lot of times those will vary based on location. But those are you know quick little workarounds to get the job done easily and super effective.
1: Also, there's a good order in which you like kind of apply your stuff. So, like, I don't I don't do noise reduction initially, uh, because especially if you're if you're going to end up bringing the gain, you know, the volume of your dialogue up a little bit, um, that's also going to bring your noise floor up. So, if you do noise reduction in the beginning and then you bring your gain up, you're still going to have some noise there that's gonna that's gonna come up. Whereas if you do your your gain first, your EQing and your gain first, it's already brought your noise noise floor up. And then you base your noise reduction off of
0: that. Yeah, it has. It basically gets you to the highest point of noise and then it reduces all of that without adding more later, right, when you turn the gain up. Exactly. No, it's super, exactly, super exactly. good and super important to know that, especially, you know, whether you're familiar with Audition or not, it's very similar to Premiere as far as audio tracks go and the effects and things like that. So don't be discouraged to to dip into audition. If you have to, it could really save your video and your audio specifically. Yeah.
1: There's, I mean, there's, there's so many, there's a lot of audio work you can do in premiere and in just editing programs in general. Um, but it's, it's nice to, even if you just start experimenting with it, getting into something like audition and getting a little bit higher level tools that, that really do really can make a big, big difference in your edit. I mean, like I know we think about movies and video as being visual, but like audio really is like 50% of it. Absolutely. It really is. If the audio is bad, if the audio is bad, it's going to, it's going to mess up the whole video as well.
0: And go back and listen um, to our episode with BT measles. He's a professional audio engineer and on-set yeah. audio. And he is a master of what he does. And his episode was really fun. It was, Good to record with him. I'm not sure was yeah. it three or four. I can't remember.
1: It was right. It was right around there. It was one of the earlier yeah, ones. He, has, he had a lot of really great insights. Also, just a just a fun guy to listen to talk. Absolutely, also. absolutely. Guy. So, so once you've finished in your in your audio program, um, what, what I'll do is also I'll render out like a master track. So I've even brought in a lot of times my music, sound effects, like literally everything, and that way you can listen to it. In Audition, balance out all your levels there, and then render out like one master audio track as like a WAV file, and bring that into your edit into Premiere. Um, and what what I tend to do, I-, I use enabling and disabling of clips a lot. That works well for me. So I'll usually highlight all my uh, my initial audio clips and disable them. You can also just turn off your tracks. That that essentially accomplishes the same thing as well. Um, just you know, di- different strokes, different folks. Uh, I like, I like enabling and disabling, but you can lay that in there and that way you just have your, your finished audio. And so when you render, you don't have to worry, you know, your audio is good Um, and you don't have to adjust any of that anymore. And hopefully, (laughs) hopefully you haven't changed anything accidentally in the meantime where stuff doesn't line up anymore. Just another very good thing to be aware of. (laughs) Uh, And the, the last, there's two more things I want to talk about. One of them, I'm just going to cover very briefly because um, I'm not really a motion graphics person, but a lot of times. Uh, I know my, my main coworker is, is a motion graphics artist, Zach. And a lot of times if there's uh, some heavy motion graphics that are going in the piece, he's working on it uh, uh, concurrently with me. So he's working on the graphics while I'm working on the edit. And a lot of times this last part is where I'll actually get the graphics from him. And this is why I said, put in a placeholder earlier. So you know how they'll work with them. And also um, it's important to get that, uh, that smoothed out edit uh, done as early as you can. Cause I'll give, uh, give that skeleton to him. Cause he's basing a lot of times basing his graphics off what is being said in the interview or voiceover or whatever. And so he has that pacing to work off of. So, so he should have edited to, to that pacing. And, um, and then I can just kind of drop it into the edit. Um, and then you're looking at it like, I think that's, that's about it. You know, you got all your elements. Um, you know, again, you know, definitely watch it a few more times. This is when you want to get, you know, input from people again, right. see how things work, but you should have it. You should have a pretty, a pretty finished, product by this point except for one thing is that it's still only in an editing program you don't have a video you can just give to somebody time to (laughs) export that baby time to export that and there is a lot i mean codecs. there is a million codecs. um you know what do you use for what you know what's the use going to be why would you do it this way what size well hopefully you've already figured out your size and and again change your sequence to be that and that that makes this part a lot easier. So you're not, you know, you don't have a 4K edit and you're like, okay, I'm exporting to 1080p and then it like down reses here. Like you should you should have pre-prepared. Pre-prepared? You should have prepared for this already. <laughs> so you at least know the size. Um and like honestly though, anymore, like there's I mean there's a million codecs out there um for a lot of different uses. But I would say anymore, this is just a number, but 90% of the time things are in, in H.264 anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's one of the easiest formats. A little more H.265 now, but it hasn't become super widely for used yet. For web,
0: right? It's it's anything for web,
1: YouTube. Yeah, if you're putting something on YouTube or Vimeo yeah. or for somebody's website, the likelihood is that you're going to be using yeah. uh, H.264. It's going to be an MP4. Right. Um, and, and there's a lot of great presets. Premiere has a lot of great presets. After Effects has presets. Everything has presets. And anymore, it used to be that you wanted to to structure your your exports a certain way and put a lot of thought into it a lot of presets these days work pretty well you know like i use i use vimeo 1080p presets all the time
0: i use youtube presets all the time i tend to use if it's if it's 1080p i tend to click highest quality 1080p and then i adjust the um the target bitrate at the, the bottom to and i juice it up
1: yeah like like a yeah the match source high bitrate yep. is another good preset to use for sure yep. yeah and like the honest truth is adjusting those will make slight differences in quality and stuff like that but you're probably not going to end up with a pile of garbage if you use one of those right it may not be perfect but it's going to get you in like in the very, very close ballpark. For sure. Um, One thing I do do sometimes though, is uh, if I'm making something for a client and they may want to uh, instead of, you know, I'm not going to give them the master files, like the editing files, but a lot of times what I will do is give them a nice high quality ProRes 422 version of it. Yeah. it's nice. Yeah. So, you know, if they, if they need to re-export for a different format or for like a different um, service or whatever, they don't need to render that eight, that h2641 again and decrease the quality even more. At least they can start with a nice high quality and render it down to, you know, 720 or whatever they needed
0: to do and with it. So And they don't um, have to call you back, so you do that, right? So it's on them <laughs> they don't have now. have to call me yeah, back. Exactly. Right. I know why you're doing that. <laughs> you know my tricks. <laughs> um
1: so yeah, they, and honestly, a, a clients will you you give them something for free like that even if it's like very little effort on your part, like they'll think that's pretty dope.
0: A little can go a long way when you give them that full Uh, ProRes 422 file
1: yeah people love freebies and so you know that's gonna reflect positively on you might get you a little more a little more work in the future or might uh, make them even go a little bit easier on criticism for the edit you know it's it all that all that stuff goes a long way so I mean that's that's pretty much my process there's a lot I mean that is by no means comprehensive like there's so many little nuances that go into editing and, you know, and then the audio and motion graphics, like we had, we had BT on to talk about audio at some point. I'd love to have uh, somebody that does motion graphics or even effects, you know, come on and talk about kind of their process with that. And, and again, a lot of it is just my process. You know, your mileage will vary. You'll have things that work better for you. But again, it's having a process, Mm -hmm. Uh, be organized, have a process, and and follow your process where possible deviate when when that works for you as well and you'll you'll come out looking good i guarantee it
0: i guarantee that man all your stuff looks great and i really appreciate you thanks buddy just kind of talking about your process the organization's super important i mean the pacing pass is something that i learned i i guess that's something maybe i i kind of do but i'm not sure where i was doing it at in the process so whether it was after B-roll right. or tightening it up, you know, like there's a pacing pass that needs to be done to kind of get you into the groove with the music, and so I learned that just by listening to you here. So, man, that's great information. Obviously, the the Emmy shows it all, dude. Like you have you have the proof <laughs> that you're a good editor. So that's why I kind of wanted you to take this thing over and just spill the beans on yeah, on your process because I've seen it work. I've seen how quickly you work. You can get. Really, really good edits done. It's not a race, but but you tend to edit much quicker than most people. And I know you've, I'm familiar with everything, but I think this process has a lot to do with that.
1: Time is money. You know, yeah, like I don't sure. I don't want to race through something just to get it done, but in the end, you know, you don't want to spend more time. And with editing, you can spend so much more time than you than you want to. Yeah. It's really easy to to go down rabbit holes and and find out that it's two o'clock in the morning and you didn't quite get done what you wanted to for the day. And so any time you can save is is good for you. It's good for your uh for your bank account. You know, it's 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 win-win overall. You know, don't rush through it just to get it done but there's places where you don't need to be wasting time.
0: Well, Aaron, thanks so much for your insight. That process is super important. And I hope the listeners can, you know, take that knowledge and implement it. I mean, that process is extremely important. I think it'll help them out in the long run. I hope so. Yeah, me too. So thank you guys so much for listening to the Take 43 podcast. Aaron, thank you so much for your insight. Appreciate that. I mean, you've always given a lot of good insight, but again, I just kind of wanted you to just spill the beans on, on your process. It's my specialty. So, so it's what I've done more than any other part of, of video production. Awesome, man. Thanks so much. And guys, make sure you rate us on iTunes. Give us a follow on Spotify. Give us five stars on iTunes as well. That'll actually help us get noticed. Leave us a review. Uh, contact us. There's a contact form on 43productions.com contact. You can use the link in the description. There's also a lot of other fun links in there with Epidemic Sound and lighter Gear. Uh, be sure to click on those and check all that information out. But we really appreciate your time. And I will say we have some big things planned for this podcast in the near future. And I'm really excited to... So excited. Yeah, I'm really, really excited. That's about all I can say at this point. But there's some really fun things down the pipeline. From guests to brand collaborations, there's a lot of really good things that are about to happen with the Take 43 podcast. So thanks for bearing with us. And I hope everyone is safe out there. Be nice to each other. Say hi to people. Keep your distance safely. Mentally hug them from a distance. Do what you can, but just be nice to everyone. Stay safe, everyone. Thanks, guys. All right. Love you. (laughs) Bye.